Good afternoon. This is uh, Dorothy Polarski, and I would like to welcome each and every one of you to our virtual meetup. Um, some of you have attended our virtual meetups often. Uh, some of, for some of you, this might be your first virtual meetup. And I would like to extend a very, very warm welcome to all of you. If you'd like, uh, say hello to us in the chat box, you know, say hello, it's Maria from North York. Or, oh, hi Janice, Janice is from Milton, uh, one of our uh, parish secretaries, at least she was. So uh, great to see you, Janice. Again, I would like to extend a, a very, very warm welcome to all of you. I'd like to also extend a warm welcome to our speaker or our guest today. Her name is um, Amy. Amy, um, while we're waiting for people to come on, do you want to maybe just say hello, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, we're still waiting from, oh, we've got Diana from India. There we go. We've got some. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself while we're uh, we're waiting for people to come on. Okay. Um, I've been married for almost 25 years. My claim to fame, for the most part, um, is I'm a homeschooling mom of 14 children, and my real claim to fame is that I have two grandchildren, and they are the apple of my eye, for sure. Um, yeah, I live in Michigan, and it's pretty hot here right now and I'm yeah. just really excited to be here yeah yeah so thank you very much for um, joining us for now a, a second time um, this session was actually very very popular and people really really wanted you back so I'm glad to have you back um, some of you might know me from the Catholic Register I used to have a column with the Catholic Register some of you might know me because you've read my book, Mother Matters. Other of, uh, some of you actually might know me from the corporate world. I used to deliver seminars at the Schulich School of Business, the Schulich Executive Education Center uh, for corporate executives. And I was at one point, believe it or not, the national training manager for Tupperware. So I <laughs> burp <of> all. <laughs> uh, <but> for, <laughs> uh, anyway, I was also, you know, uh, worked with the uh, Canadian National Institute for the Blind. So I had a, just a very strong corporate uh, background. And my life went uh, into uh, a backflip and a forward flip after I had uh, children. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that. Anyway, for the past five years, I've been, um, I guess our little ministry has been in partnership with the Archdiocese of Toronto. And um, I'm gonna just share with you a couple of uh, slides, so uh, bear with me. So we have a, a ministry, I love my Catholic Moms group, and I invite you all to visit our website catholicmomsgroup.com and we have an annual dynamic women of faith conference and so um, you know find us on instagram uh, catholic moms group find us find us on facebook um, we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood and we do that primarily by helping parishes 
and moms start parish-based uh, Catholic mothers groups. Uh, we have worked with over uh, 40 parishes. We do have uh, a couple of mothers groups in the United States, uh, but most of them are spread across the Archdiocese of Toronto. And our mothers groups are multi-generational, okay? Now we do have some moms and tots, but um, depending on who starts the mothers group. The, um, so I, I love my Catholic moms or catholicmomsgroup.com. We've created a variety of different publications, how to start a mothers group, 52 studies for individual groups. We have a mothers group starter kit. And in that kit is everything that you need to start a Catholic moms group. And it gives you um, from DVDs to promotional materials to newsletters. Um, it includes these two publications, everything um, you need to host a mother's group for well over a year. So uh, it's typically, um, you know, ordered by parishes. Um, and a mother, just like you, encourages your uh, pastor to get started with us. Um, so that's who we are, um, Catholic Moms Group. I really hope that you follow us on Instagram. I'll look up Dynamic Women of Faith, look up Catholic Moms Group. And um, we welcome each and every one of you. We've got Liz Garcia from St. Dominic's Parish. We've got Gazelle from Toronto. We've got Adriana. Uh, we had someone here from India, so we've got people from all over, and we wanted to extend a big, big warm welcome. There's someone that's raising her hand. Okay, well, okay, hi, Dorothy. Okay, so I guess she was just raising her hand to say hello. I wanted to take a minute just to introduce um, Amy. Back in uh, 2011, when I wrote my book, Motherhood Matters. Um, I was looking for people to review the book, to give me some feedback. And Amy and I became friends on Facebook and I saw just what an incredible following she had. And uh, I sent her a copy of the book. And then a little bit later uh, in 2014, Amy wrote uh, two anonymous blog posts for our Dynamic Women of uh, Faith website. And at that time, Amy wasn't talking publicly about her experience. So um, I wanted to welcome her. She's a courageous woman. She's a very strong woman and very generous in that, you know, she's come on now twice. And I think it's remarkably, remarkably, remarkably courageous for her to share her story with us. So Amy, welcome again. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, coming on. Now, you and I had a little kind of chat beforehand. Um, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, you, you've got 14 children that you're homeschooling. You've got 15 babies in heaven. Okay. And you've been married for 25 years and you discovered that, you know, your husband is a sex addict who struggled with, 
you know, uh, just a whole bunch of different issues and specifically with, you know, pornography too. Can you tell us a little bit, maybe like, how did you find out about this? And, and first of all, how do you feel even talking about it? I know that you were talking to your son just before you came online. How, how do you feel talking about this? It's just remarkable that you're open about it. Well, I was, my 17 year old son and I were talking about it because I was telling him that I was going to do this today. And I was like, why does this have to be my thing? <laughs> like, you know, why can't I have other thing? And he's like, well, what would be your thing? And I'm like, I don't know, homeschooling or flowers or something that's not this, you know, because it's not like I said, it, it cuts down on humility, because I'm not like, yeah, I'm going to give him a speech on pornography, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that said, I know, I, I know that it's God's will for my life. And, uh, and I know that the message and, and my what my son said, and again, he's 17. And he says, Mom, this is the issue of our time. And you know, who's going to talk about it if you don't. And, and he, he listens to a lot of priests and reads a lot of stuff. And he said a lot, most of the priests he listens to and reads do mention it, but who's going to talk about this, you know? And of course we have like a Matt Fred and a bunch of other courageous people, but it is, it's hard sometimes. And it's hard as my kids get older, you know, the little ones that weren't around when or they were around, but they don't, they don't know. But again, like, you're only as thick as your secrets and we're not going to keep those a secret. So that's yeah. not how you help people. No, so, so, you know, thank you so much for your courage. Now, I just wanted to acknowledge that for anyone that's here, you know, you might be a mom that just, you know, discovered it, you know, yesterday or two days ago, and you might be kind of reeling in shock or maybe you're a wife that's been, you know, battling this in your marriage for years. Like, moms are on a just a different spectrum <clears throat> how did you discover uh this issue in your marriage amy how did it how did it rear its ugly head um i think you know when we got married i was i was a cradle catholic my husband was not even a baptized christian i definitely did not attend mass every week or do any of those things and I, I was more mainstream and I think it was just kind of a regular in the culture, but back then there was no internet or anything. Um, at least we didn't have it if there was. And so I, I knew it was there kind of, but I also kind of felt like there was nothing I could do about it or I was wrong for feeling like it was wrong and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I knew there was something wrong in our marriage. And so we kind of went back and forth for a number of years and, and then one day I found it on our, we did have, we got the computer and we got the internet and I found some on our computer and I just was like, this is unacceptable. Okay. So let me just, so in the initial stages, you didn't really know that there was, you know, that your, your, your husband had that problem. Um, you just sensed that there was something off in your marriage, but you couldn't put yeah. your finger on it. And, and then you're, you're sort of saying that you felt guilty that even thinking that you had this sense that, you know, maybe everything's just fine and I'm making this up. So is that what was sort of... I felt like it was like any of the friends that I would say this to would say, well, that's normal. That's just how guys are, or that's just how men are. And I was like, uh, like, I don't know, but I, I, I just, 
I didn't have the words and I definitely didn't have the resources. There were not resources back then. So I did say when I found it on the computer, like, this is unacceptable. You can't do this anymore. And so he said, okay. And I thought that was the end of it. Like, I didn't know the extent of addiction and any of that at all. So I just said, okay, he's done the end. And that's, that was definitely not the end. <laughs> okay. So I guess, you know, for anyone, any mom that is, you know, joining us today, um, you know, number one, you, you definitely want to have some clarity that if, you know, you discovered something on your husband's computer and you're shocked and you're upset and you're angry, um, that that is a very normal reaction. And, um, and just to have the clarity that the, this behavior is wrong. Um, I don't know about you, but in, in preparing for today's session and preparing the you know, interview, you, I, I kind of ran to the Catholic catechism and I, I asked myself, geez, is there anything in the Catholic catechism about it? And, and in fact, there is. If you go to the Catholic catechism, it's a small, small, you know, two, three, five, four, Pornography consists in removing a real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. It offends against chastity because it perverts the conjugal act, the intimate giving of spouses to each other. It does grave injury to the dignity of its participants to the actors, to the vendors, to public, and I'll insert, you know, also to the spouses, since each one becomes an object of base pleasure and illicit profit for others, it immerses all who are involved in the illusion of a fantasy world. It is a grave offense. Civil authorities should prevent the production and distribution of pornographic materials. Um, would you say that it's true, Amy, based on your experience that, you know, the addict or the person that's using pornography can, can, might have a tendency to minimize it? Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I've heard it all. Like, it's no big deal. It's not like I'm cheating on you with a real person. It's, you know, I, 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 everything that you can do. There's a lot of gaslighting that goes into these conversations that you might have with your spouse and that there was a lot of gaslighting which is like they turn it around kind of like you're the weird one you're the one that everybody else's wife is okay with it you know you weren't available i mean whatever i've heard it all like i said yeah and so i guess you know again you and i were chatting a little bit before we started that you know you know what are some of the mistakes that um, you know, when a, a, a mom or a woman discovers this and she's, you know, mortified, shocked, what are some of the mistakes that typically kind of get made uh, when you first kind of find out? What are some mistakes that maybe moms could avoid? Um, I think, you know, God put in women, especially like an instinct. And, and so I knew for years even years after he had stopped before I knew before he told me, but he had actually stopped that something wasn't right. And I doubted myself because I would ask him and he would say, no, it's fine. But I knew. And so trusting your instincts 
is really, really important. And now we have so many resources and somebody put the um, resource list in the chat that, um, that we use in our groups, the men's and the women's. And, and just going to the, not like being ashamed or feeling like you're the only one or staying quiet or in the dark and thinking that that's gonna help and just being able to, you know, be brave and, and either reach out or at least utilize. There's a lot of resources now. And, you know, even if your husband is not, is doesn't want to get help right now or doesn't want to stop, there's so many things that you can do for yourself and in your family to keep yourself and your family safe that just, that's like the first, you know, of course you're going to go through all the grieving stages and you're going to get angry and upset and everything else. But ultimately that doesn't, you know, change what's going on. You have to do something to, to get healthy yourself. So I guess, you know, like number one mistake would be, you know, thinking that you're the problem, right? You know, yeah. the, the problem is, you know, like I often like to say, if someone is, you know, robbing money from the bank, it is the robber's fault. <laughs> it's not the right, fault right. that they're poor or it's not the fault that they're, that, you know, the action is intrinsically wrong. So what your uh, husband is doing is wrong is knowing that and not blaming yourself. Okay. Because, um, you know, there are, you know, thousands of men that, that don't um, participate in, in pornography or sexual addiction kind of behavior. So number one is blaming yourself is a mistake. Uh, number two is feeling, you said, ashamed, right? Like that it's, it's not your fault, right? Right, that you're not like good enough or whatever. I, I think one of the biggest surprises, for lack of a better word, for me when I joined a group, like a face-to-face -face group, you know, I, I mean, I've had a lot of babies. I'm like, oh, I'm fat. I'm this, I'm that, whatever. And that's why. And I would go to these groups and there's like, you know, these um, just beautiful 21-year-old girls, you know, and I'm like, oh, if I looked like you, like, I wouldn't even worry. But then, you know, that's not, of course, I learned that that's not, that's not even, it's not even the issue. Like, pornography is just an addiction or sex addiction is an addiction. It's just the avenue that they're choosing. It's like drinking and drugs and shopping and gambling. Like it's just what they have chosen, but it, it doesn't have to do with like that, which is what I always thought, you know, was that it had to do with beauty or age or whatever. And that's, that's just not true. So, well, that's, you know, that's that's really important because I guess a lot of women could kind of like fall into self-hate, right? Thinking I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not sexy enough. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so we and have it's just to, really not about that. It's not about that. And so also to, to, to pray, I guess, for a rejection of, you know, this kind of these kind of self-talk or the, these um, thoughts that are just, harassing you and accusing you right right well, i think it's hard because in our culture we have those coming at us all the time as women i mean starting when we're little girls you know so then when something like this happens for me i was like it just magnified but that is an unhealthiness in me and so that's why i had to go and seek out you know ways to to help 
with that because his choices and his behaviors are 0% my fault, but my recovery and what I do to get well is 100% my responsibility. Yeah. So, you know, whether, no matter what he does, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I guess there's um, one question that's coming up in the chat, but I, I guess it's, it would be really important, even as a part of this meeting right now, you know, for, for each mom or each woman to make a decision, you know, today that, you know, number one, this is not about me, you know, number two, like you and your behavior are the problem, right? Number right. three, I have to tr trust my gut instincts because even when it comes to raising our children, I find that a lot of people stop listening to their kind of gut. Um, and, you know, number four, there is help, uh, you know, available and I'm going to get that help and I'm going to get through this. Um, you know, someone asks here, how did this impact your children and family? I'm guessing your children found out or you told them. Um, it's probably not appropriate or necessary to tell all of your children everything. Is that correct? Or what are your thoughts? Amy? Yeah, I mean, it, so at the time, I, we had 11 children at the time, and she, the youngest was like nine weeks old that, when I found out. Um, I don't hide my feelings. I'm super great. And I was just like a mess. And I had, we had to go to groups and, you know, counseling and things like that. So my oldest daughter, well, my oldest, my oldest, oldest was getting married that year and he was still living at home. And I think he was like 23 or something. Um, and so he knew and, and then my oldest daughter knew, you know, but what's really important is to like my husband had to be the one that really shared in a, in an appropriate age appropriate manner, I guess my oldest daughter that at the time I think was like 17. So, you know, he just was framed it as I was, you know, dishonest and things like that, unfaithful in our relationship. And now we're trying to make it better because she was at home with me all the time, first of all, because I homeschool and she was babysitting a lot because if I was gone or, or whatever. Um, now it was a great opportunity for our family to teach about redemption and mercy and grace and things like that. So for our family that worked. And so now we are like seven years out of the initial disclosure and all of that stuff. And so now we have a lot more adult children than we did. And we have certainly shared things when it's necessary to share it, but in a way that is respectful of, you know, my husband. And I mean, my husband runs a group for men at a local church. And, and so, you know, and it has worked for us. It's not going to work for everyone to share things like that. It depends on the kids and the situation. So I would definitely not just like burst it out to, you know, anyone. Yeah. And so that, that's an important, uh, I think practical tip too, right. That, you know, you could be the person that hasn't told a soul and it's, you know, killing you inside and you haven't sought help 
or you can be, you know, the explosive type that tells everybody, including, you know, TTC drivers and the waitress and your right. neighbor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. No, that's not appropriate. Don't do that's that. That's not appropriate. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, I, I guess I'm in a, a little bit of a remarkable position because many, you know, our, our ministry ministers to moms right across the archdiocese and many, many, many moms will, you know, oh, I found, call, they'll text me or, you know, I found out my husband's having an affair or my husband's lost his job or, um, you know, I found out this, I found out that, you know, what do I do? And I'm going to like, ah, but the, the one piece of advice that I try to, or advice, I don't even know if it's advice, but the one thing that I have come to see that is very, very important that no matter what your husband has done, no matter what your children have done, it's extremely important to preserve your own personal integrity and in that I am not going to start F-bombing. I am not, I am not going to sin because of someone else's right. sin. Right. Yeah. right. Because then yeah. you're, you know, if, you know, if, if your son just robbed a bank and then, you know, you come home and you berate him and you hit him and you, you, you've become a sinner. There's a, mm. there's a dignified way of handling every single situation. So, um, you know, if you found out your husband's having an affair, you don't want to become an ugly witch so that he hates you and he justifies it, right? Well, I mean, the point is you might be nice and he might hate you. Yeah. Anyway. But the point is, is that you're answering to God for what you do. Yes. If you're telling your kids because you want to make your husband look bad, that's not appropriate for, yeah. for anything. You know, if you're not like, oh, dad lost his job or, you know, guess what dad did? You know, that's just, it's not appropriate at all. And one of the therapists that I was in a group with that was therapist led, and she would always say to stay in your integrity. And, and that has stuck with me because. Stay in your integrity. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah because that's what you, you know, that's what you have to answer for. And it's extremely painful. And I definitely did things that I wished I hadn't done or said things mostly that I wished I hadn't said. Um, the pain is unbelievable. At least it was for me, you know, and I assume it is for most women. And, but to take that pain and it, just give it to God as much as you can, you know, unite yourself with Jesus on the cross, but don't become this ugly, bitter person, because that's not no good for anyone anyway. It's most of all you, you know? Yeah. And I know that, um, you know, before I got married, my, I have a picture of myself in my wedding dress at home. Um, my mom had me kneel down in my wedding dress and kiss the cross. Right, right. right. Um, that's part of the deal, right? The cross is part of the deal. There, there are just some questions here. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to. Ignore. Okay. Yep. You're good. You're um, good. Okay. So, someone is saying, um, I know a lady. Who, I'm going to rattle off all the questions, and then maybe you decide okay. where you want to go with it. Okay. I know a lady whose husband watches porn, but it's same-sex images. How? does one help her so the husband is he struggling is is he a you know is the husband a homosexual maybe i don't know but that's one question that come has come up um 
someone is saying, God certainly has used your family to be a great example of faithfulness. That's true. What are some of the signs of this addiction? How would you suspect that this addiction was active in your relationship is another question. Um, you know, I'm often surprised, you know, because like a lot of the women that I'm in touch with, like, I'm like, have you ever heard of a history button? <laughs> you know? right. Uh, like now they can clear are, them and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the signs of addiction? Um, is it considered emotional cheating? We are each accountable for our own behavior and decisions. So yeah. So what are some of the signs of the addiction? How would you suspect it? Um, you know, would your husband have, is he like the, you know, the sexy guy that drives no. the Corvette that you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> My husband's an IT guy. Um, I, even though I kind of knew, I still, I was shocked when he told, like I was very, and I'm not even the type to not, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty up on this stuff, especially to like protect my kids and stuff. And so I was really shocked. That said, when I look back now, I'm like, oh, you know, most of these guys have intimacy disorder of some kind. Um, and, and I could always kind of, yeah. So it's hard for them to connect, you know, intimately, um, not intimate being sexual necessarily, but just in other ways that you might connect with someone and just really feel like you're having an honest conversation or, you know, something that's really meaningful. Um, and just the lying and the, the kind of overall sneakiness. And um, for us, for most of it, after I said like no more in our house, it wasn't in our house. So I was like blown away, you know, like where did this happen and what, you know, um, but then I could start putting together things like I would be calling him and he would not answer and, you know, he had a cell phone and, and then he'd be unaccountable for, you know, an hour at a time and didn't really have a, you know, he couldn't say where he was or what he was doing or this. So things like that, you know, what I learned also from this, um, from a man named Dr. Doug Weiss, whose stuff is in that resource list he says believe behavior so you can't really believe the words that they're saying so you have to believe their behavior so once he started to get well and i saw like what a healthy man he was i could look back and realize what an unhealthy person he had been um and i, I don't know I, I doubted myself so much and i think that's just how i how i missed it i just didn't have a lot of self-worth i guess i don't know so I guess some of the some of the signs might be um, you were saying the lying, the cheating, or, or the uh, of the unaccounted for like kind of yeah. appearances. Um, okay, if anyone else has uh, anything that they would like to you know share, um, someone asked the question here. Um, you know, I saw it once on Facebook and it just like broke my heart. Like there was this young mom with, you know, two or three kids and she just like started typing away and it just, and you could tell she was completely traumatized because 
you know, like she never suspected that her husband would do something like this. And she was like sobbing and, and right online, it was just, it was just really painful to watch her. Um, and, and you, you told me that there's something called betrayal trauma. What is betrayal trauma? Like after you told me that term, I thought, oh, okay, now I, that's what that woman was going through. She, and she was, you know, I guess she posted her discovery on Facebook and I was kind of shocked that she would do that. But uh, what, yeah. well, what is betrayal trauma? I mean, if, if, if somebody's watch, watching that have, can post a definition, do that for me. I know I have some friends watching that can do that, but um, it's a trauma. You know, if you get into like a car accident, like a really serious one and you might have PTSD after, right. And you'd be afraid to drive and, um, or, any kind of trauma that happens to you. So betrayal trauma is when, you know, you've been in this relationship. My husband, my husband, when he was active in his addiction, another sign should have been for me that he was um, verbally, very, very, very verbally abusive and emotionally abusive. And he would withhold affection and things like that. So like, that's all a trauma to you to, you know, it, it's, and, and when you start to find all this stuff out, like when my husband did his disclosure to me, we didn't do it therapeutically. We just, he just came out with it and he told me way too many details and all of those things, you're in a trauma state and it just gave me horrible PTSD that I replayed the, all of it in my head or, or maybe you find, you know, pornography on the, on your computer and you pull it up and you see it and that traumatizes you because there it is and you're not expecting that or or you know so that's kind of a bad somebody posted the actual definition yeah, so the term betrayal trauma refers to the damage that is caused when you experience a betrayal in your relationship that damages the trust the safety and security of the bond you have with your partner um, someone also mentioned here that a another sign uh, could be if you know they're extremely protective about their uh, passwords here and the thing with my husband was that he was always like here's my phone look at it here's my computer look at it like he had i and i would but he wasn't using that phone and he wasn't using that computer so yes that's definitely a sign a sign but there can he, they can also be like super free with their devices and have some I mean I've heard of a lot of men now that have second phones or whatever so, so these are so extreme, extremely manipulative behavior yeah I mean men protect what they love for sure and and this they they will be very protective of this addiction and you know unlike drinking unlike drugs it is very like I, the counselor that I mentioned earlier was an addiction counselor for alcohol and drugs and she started seeing, you know, an increase in sex addiction. And then she had to go back to like a six month program because these guys were so good at lying to her and she couldn't, she couldn't tell. So, so that, I mean, that's a, that's a very uh, pointed statement. Like, you know, they're very, very good at lying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a couple of more questions that have come up. Um, what can you do when your son has a pornography and sex addiction visiting massage parlors and such and it's your son oh my goodness there's another question how do you even begin to rebuild trust um getting professional help 
Um, and I guess too, uh, someone had asked about a husband, her friend's husband watching um, right. sex uh, pornography. It's just a, it's a loaded, this is a loaded session. Um, any I mean, thought? a lot of those resources that were posted early on can point to, I mean, first of all, the addict has to want help. So if they don't want to get help or they don't think that they have a problem, that's going to be really difficult. And I, it depends, on, I guess, on how old the son is, if they're under 18 or if they're living in your home, then there's more that you can do about it. If they're, you know, not in the home anymore, you can certainly suggest the resources and obviously pray for them and, and do what you can, but you know, it's hard when they're not living at home anymore. Um, and they need help. If they want help, they have to want it. You can't so, want so, it for so, them. Yeah. So like number, I guess a couple, you're saying a couple things is like, number one, they have to acknowledge that it's in fact a problem because, you know, you might explode, go crazy, cry, claim devastation, claim hurt. And the guy's like, he doesn't see anything wrong with what he's doing and he just might lie to appease you. So, um, and so then you would have to set boundaries. You'd have to decide, you know, what, where's my bottom line? What am I willing to put up with? If this is your spouse, you know, you might have to separate or you might have to, you have to be able to set boundaries to protect yourself. Um, what, what because are, ultimately uh, that's all you can do. Yeah, so what are some of the boundaries that you and your husband have put in place to help um, to help you feel safe and to protect your children too, right? Because you don't want your children. Yeah, I mean, so obviously all of our devices have more than, we actually have more than one kind of internet security on our devices. We have Covenant Eyes and then we have something that goes through our router, um, you know, and we have rules about devices in rooms with doors and and all that kind of stuff um and my husband has covenant eyes on his stuff and he had for me he had to have that and he had to have a group that he was accountable to a person that he's accountable to that's that's not me i mean i he, he's not accountable to me but um we had it set up where if he had any relapses then within 24 hours he had to tell me not detail or anything like that just just that he had a relapse and um he has made some self boundaries like he won't be alone with another woman you know even for work purposes um and he doesn't watch any movies or any tv at all if i'm not with them and we don't i mean we have not i'm not into like any of the mainstream new movies anyway so so we don't watch any of that and um at, in the beginning stages we would you know, he's an avid reader so he would kind of run books by me that he was interested in reading but we don't so much do that anymore um so all of those things for me, I, I needed, and we did a weekly check-in at the beginning. Um, and, and that was helpful. We had like a list of questions that he would answer how, what, how, what he was doing to work recovery and stuff like that. Now someone is, so the, the woman that was talking about her son, um, she's saying that, you know, he does live at home, um, but he's over 18. Um, one thing 
that I'm just throwing out there is, is, is probably a good idea um, in these situations to get your house blessed by a priest. And yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. And if you can't get a priest to come over now because of COVID, um, I had a, a situation where a, a woman told me that her daughter was really uh, addicted to very destructive rap music. Um, and all of the language was very, very destructive. And the mother said that um, when the daughter wasn't home, she went into the daughter's room and she, she sort of blessed each wall in the room with holy water saying, you know, in the name of Jesus, I bind all spirits that are bond, you know, harassing my daughter that she's in bondage to. Uh, as her mother, I claim the authority to break this uh, destructive bond. And uh, she told me that later that night, her daughter came into the room and started sobbing uncontrollably. And she started to break all of the CDs uncontrollably. Um, I think that, you know, we forget the power of, you know, sacramentals, you know, we forget Mm -hmm. the power of holy water. I know some Italian women that put some holy water in their spaghetti and some blessed salt, you know, please, please, Lord. Um, Now, is there anything that one can do to help someone that denies that they have this addiction? I mean, it's the same as alcoholism or drug addiction, you know, I mean, they have to, you can't want it more than they do. And I, I don't, I wasn't in that situation, so I can't speak to that. I mean, I was, I guess, sort of in the beginning, but I didn't know it. So um, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. You, it's just, I would maybe call Al-Anon, honestly. I've talked to Al-Anon before and it's a different addiction, but it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I found them very helpful when I spoke to them. So that might be an option. Now, Amy, you know, we're a, we're a Catholic virtual mother's group and you're a Catholic mom. Um, now you, you mentioned that when you first got married that you were going to mass regularly or you weren't? Or- no, definitely not. No, I was like, I don't know. We got married in the Catholic church, but no. <laughs> then I... <laughs> And I so, started going to church again and yeah. So, so when did you have a conversion? Because you're saying like you have, you know, 14 uh, children and 15 in heaven. Like that's a lot of, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we made up for lots of time. Um, after I had my, our second child, I, I started attending a local church, a Catholic church. Um, and my husband was like, I want to go too. So he came and when I was pregnant with our third child, he got baptized and everything else. Um, and we just, started, I, I think I just longed for community, I guess. I was, I was really ashamed of the way I had lived. And so I would always sit in the back and, you know, I, I didn't have a good understanding of anything. I, I didn't know about really confession and stuff. And so then I went to confession and um, and then I met a bunch of homeschoolers who were Catholic and that was after my fourth child was born. And, um, and then I met a very holy priest who just changed my whole life. And, and, um, some of you might've heard of father John Ricardo, he's on the radio and 
he's very, but at the time he had just started pretty much. And, and I just started to change. Like God just, just lit my heart on fire. And my husband didn't like that <laughs> very much, you know, <laughs> and I started to change the way I lived. And um, then we had our fifth child and I, I don't know. It, it, then I learned about how you're not supposed to use contraception, which I obviously was not a pro at anyway. And then I was like, no, this, we can't do this. And, 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 but when I was, so the, the story is when I was pregnant with our eighth child, I went to adoration and I was like, Jesus, I know there's something wrong. And, and I, I want to know what it is. And I, and I heard God say, keep doing what you're doing and I will reveal it to you when it's time. And I was like, great. Cause patience is definitely not <laughs> my thing. Had he revealed it to me, then I would have divorced my husband for sure. 100%. He did not. It was about 10 years later that I found out all of this and I was a lot better equipped with all the things I had gone through and, and, and God is always faithful, you know, and it just, and then we both kind of just came back and here we are, you know, it's, it's amazing. God is so good. It, it's, it's, it's miraculous. Now it is. <laughs> and I know that, uh, I know these sessions aren't easy for you. And I know that, you know, you had said to me that you're just so grateful that God kept your marriage together, that, you know, you weren't gonna, you weren't gonna say no, uh, if there was a request Right, that you're so grateful that you were, you know, now, so, you know, I, I tell you when I, I, I can read this over and over again that, you know, you find out that your husband has this addiction, you have 14 children, you've had 15 miscarriages, like, where do you get the strength? Like some people fall down and they hurt their knee and they're out of commission for, you know, <laughs> like, like well, what do you do and how does your faith, how does your Catholic faith, um, you, you mentioned help you, like, so you mentioned the sacrament of reconciliation, you've missed, you mentioned Eucharistic adoration, like, where do you get your strength, girl? Well, Jesus and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a, a number of years ago, a lot of years ago now, probably 17 years ago, I read a book called The Mother's Rule of Life. And I'm very type A. And so it was really spoke to me just to kind of have a, a good, it's Benedictine and have a good flow to your day. And of course, that's really hard when you have little ones and you're like, it's my prayer time. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't think so. But that said, I just had this ongoing conversation with Jesus in the day. You know, I mean, I do now I do the rosary every day and, and I have my I try to have, you know, I do a lot of audible stuff or like, you know, audio rosary or things like that. But I just, I talk to him all day long. I do a lot of journaling. If I can, I have a journal just out of my kitchen counter and I'll just write something down really quick, you know, as kind of a, a letter to Jesus. And I, I don't know, I can just, I can feel him. And I know, I know he has a plan and, and there's definitely days where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm, it's so painful and the, the thoughts and the memories pop into my head, but this is not our home. This is not where we're meant to be. And I have definitely been flat on the floor in my bedroom, bawling my eyes out. 
because it's just so painful but also like the redemption is so beautiful you know and I mean if I could have avoided it great <laughs> you know it would have been better if I could just be like we got married and we had 14 kids and it was all great you know but that's not how life is um but and and maybe there won't be redemption you know everybody's marriage doesn't work out everybody's husband doesn't want to get help but there can be redemption for you and 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 no matter who you are god will use this for good and he will use this to make you you know a better person or or bring you closer to him and and that's i'm just so grateful for that i can't express that enough also friends and support people get a support support people i reach out to support people all the time still i'm like i'm having a bad day i'm having a lot of triggers or whatever and, and they're there for me so that's really really important too so um now i know that one woman asked um in our last session and it didn't get asked today like and it's i'm gonna kind of rephrase it but you know one said like well like why didn't you just like leave the guy right and and when should you leave the guy like when should you leave your husband like why didn't you leave personally and then is there a time where you say like okay th this is not going to work right, is, right. What are your thoughts on that I mean, first of all, if you're in physical danger, your children are in physical danger, you need to leave. You need to get help. There's all kinds of, at least, I, I mean, I know a lot of you guys are in Canada and I don't know your programs, but in America, there's a lot of, you know, places you can call domestic violence shelters or whatever. So that's first of all. Second of all, I'm not like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever. So, I, and I can't tell people what to do. Generally, people, you know, learn about boundaries if you don't know about boundaries and what your bottom line is and i mean hopefully you can get to some kind of therapy um even if you know like we couldn't afford the traditional route so we had a pastoral associate at a local parish that spoke with us for free um and he kind of specialized in this area a little bit so it was very helpful um, or find a local group, or now there's so many groups online, find a group online, you know, somebody that you can reach out to, utilize the resources. But you, I didn't leave because I didn't think that's what God was calling me to do. And, and, and my husband had changed and he was changing and he continues to change and go the right direction. But that's not the story for everyone. And, and I don't think that God wants you to live in a, in a you know, uh, and they know he doesn't want you to live in an abusive relationship and you have to get help if that's if that's what's happening in your life um but uh, like i said it's different so, so for everyone you, so so you didn't leave because you know your husband made changes right and he right yeah you know and and he committed to recovery and he committed to getting help and he admitted it was a problem right so right I, I would imagine that if, you know, there's a mom out there who uh, has a husband who, you know, kind of is blindly determined to continue his behavior that, you know, she might say, you know, enough of this, you know. Um, one uh, book that, uh, you know, no matter what kind of a problem you've got in your marriage, uh, it's not Catholic. But this is an outstanding um, book by uh, 
by uh, James Dobson. Um, if you know whether your whether your husband might be an alcoholic or you know <laughs> any number of different issues, it's a very very powerful book. Um, I have like this huge library, and I usually bring like. Um, you know, five or six different books to showcase now, you know, some of them are at the office and some of them, so I wasn't, uh, are, are there any books that you would recommend, um, Amy? I mean, everything that, I've read a lot of the books that are on the resource list. Um, so definitely stuff by Dr. Doug Weiss is very helpful, both to the addict and the, and the betrayed. Um, there's a lot of good podcasts out now, and I'm sure that those aren't actually on that list. So I could get you that list if you want. And I can add um, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're not specifically Catholic. I don't know if there's any that are, but but they're most of them are Christian and they're all very helpful. Um, and as far as like, you know, being encouraged as a mom or something, I brought my, my St. Zelly book again. <laughs> <laughs> I shared this last time and she's just amazing. Um, and it doesn't have anything to do with addiction or pornography or anything, but it's about the mother It's letters um, from the mother of St. Therese to different people. And she's just very real and, and very human. And I love that. Um, so that's an inspiration to me. And I don't know, I'm just always seeking things out to, to read and, and um, inspire me. Now, um, Amy, I know that you mentioned the sacrament of reconciliation. You know, I always kind of laugh that I never went to the sacrament of reconciliation more than when I became a mother, you know, because it was mm -hmm. kind of funny. I have this baby and it's screaming and it won't start, stop crying and I'm getting angry, right? And I'm kind of like, Dorothy, what's with it? This is a newborn. You're not supposed to get angry at a newborn. Um, or, you know, I would be telling my three-year-old, you know, clean your room, clean your room. And then I'd like, I'd look at my own room and it wasn't clean. And I'm like, I got to go to confession to keep my side of the street, you know, with my kids. Right. Mm -hmm. Did you find yeah. that the sacrament of reconciliation helped you in this journey? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know what I would do without that because I'm always, you know, at first I went to a priest that we had known for a very long time and I was like, okay, I need to be, have somebody help me sift this out. What's the sin and what is, you know, the betrayal trauma, you know, what is the normal reaction and what is, you know, and so I definitely needed that at first. And now, you know, I just go a lot because I do all the wrong things a lot, <laughs> especially with my kids. And, and, and it is very freeing. I love it. So and, it's definitely and, very helpful. Did your, did your husband go to the sacrament of reconciliation? He did. I mean, and he did while he was acting out and yeah, I mean, it's just any set, you know, yeah. So Okay, so the, like I always want, you know, moms that sign on with us to have some, you know, you know, practical, you know, tips. And so like, you know, number one, I guess, you know, to know that you're not alone. Uh, number two, there's like lots of help out there. Um, there's that list that we've provided. Um, you know, number three, the use of sacramentals, whether it's holy water, um, you know, to bless your home, bless the computers, bless 
bless everything you can. I, I remember for years and years and years, I used to bless my children right from when they were born with holy water as they were leaving for school. And now when they were going for raves, I was blessing them with holy yeah. water. Right? Uh -huh. So the, the use of, whole, um, the, the use of uh, sacramentals is, is very, very important. Um, one th I'm thinking, sort of feeling, feeling called. I, I realized I didn't say a prayer at the beginning. So we, we've got just a few minutes. I, I do want to say a bit of a closing prayer. And then if anyone has any questions or closing comments, um, Amy, I'll definitely let you, you know, make some closing comments. Okay. Um, so just in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we know that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, that you are present. And we acknowledge your presence here today. And we thank you, dear Lord, for this time together we thank you for Amy's openness, and we pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, to anoint us, to show us what to do, um, to give us the supernatural uh, gifts that we need, the gift of courage, um, the gift of fortitude, and the gift of joy, you know, to be able to reclaim our own personal joy and to, you know, just pray that each of the moms here that have, you know, suffered any kind of trauma in their marriage, um, that if it is your will, dear Lord, we just pray for healing, healing of wounds, healing of uh, broken dreams, healing of just tears. Um, we just pray for a healing for um, any, any trauma. We also pray for our children, um, specifically like to pray for the son that the uh, mom mentioned that, you know, he's, she's, he's living under her roof, you know, for her to claim authority um, as a matriarch of that family and for her to bless her son's room. Um, I just pray for, again, an outpouring of God's mercy um, today's gospel, you know, mentions the need to forgive you know, seven, but 77 times, but again, to not allow um, the manipulator or the liar or the deceiver to deceive us. And so I pray that each mom has an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and is astute. We need to be astute as mothers. We need to be astute to the comings and goings of our children. We need to be astute. Um, I always say the mothers need to be like, like supernatural security guards, you know, to, to claim authority over their house. Um, so I beg for a healing um, and just ask our blessed mother to wrap her loving arms around Amy, around each of her children and uh, lift up all of our husbands and ask our Blessed Mother to uh, wrap her loving arms around all addicts and women who struggle with a pornography addiction um, and ask for our Blessed Mother's intercession. And may we make a resolution today to pray the rosary daily. So in closing, I'm gonna pray three Hail Marys. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, one tradition that, um, you know, that I'd like to pass on, we try to pass on in all of the mothers groups, is to order masses for the living. And they don't have to be announced masses. Um, I've gone to the St. Therese Carmel website and I ordered lifetime masses for each of my children, lifetime masses for my husband, lifetime masses for myself, <laughs> lifetime masses for, uh, you know, my uh, sister. Um, ordering masses for the living, there are more graces received when we order masses for ourselves when we're alive, right? So I'm like, when you're buying gifts, we buy our kids so many things, you know, like Adidas and iPods and cell phones. Have we got them a lifetime enrollment of masses? Um, to me, uh, that's huge, especially in our culture. Um, do any of you here have any questions? Um, any questions? Thank you, Amy, for your open and your sharing. Thank you, Dorothy, for a wonderful chat. The rosary has been my weapon lately. Yes, we need that. Another book is The Drug of the New Millennium by Mark Castleman, which is very insightful. Um, someone says, sorry if you see me yawning, but it's uh, midnight in India. We can't see any of you, okay? This <laughs> webinar, so we can't see you. Um, Amy, do you have any closing thoughts? Or um, someone is saying there's that- Somebody asked the question, how difficult was it to be intimate with your husband? I think that that's an important question. Um, that was another sign actually when, before I knew was that our, our sexual experience, it was terrible. Like it was just really hard for me. And that was another sign that it was, that he was getting better was that it felt more intimate, you know, and that there wasn't like a wall there. I wasn't being used. Um, so that's an important thing to listen to yourself. Was it difficult? Yeah. And it still is sometimes, you know, but just pray because God didn't intend it to be that way. And, and I just pray. Well, I, I would think that in the initial stages, it probably would have been pretty normal to have an aversion to him. No, or I'm just. Well, and a, some people take like a 90 day fast. And I mean, there's all kinds of different ways that you can do it and, and you shouldn't rush into it and all of that. And, you know, all those resources can explain all that too, but there's no wrong way to handle it. And I guess my closing thoughts would be, you know, you're not alone. Your husband's not alone. Um, there's help. There's a lot of help out there, a lot of resources and, and just don't stay in the dark because that's where Satan thrives. 
and it and even if your husband can't chooses not to get help you can still get help for yourself that's the most important thing it's really the only thing that you can do you can't fix somebody else but you can get help for yourself and that's really important someone here in a private message to me here is saying um you know what if every time you uh, bring it up um you know your your husband gets angry and you know defensive and just like the smoke of anger just kind of belittles you type of thing that's like that's called gaslighting and that's to kind of distract you from the issue at hand what i did was i went i mean and i didn't know that i was doing this but what happened was i went to counseling for myself and the counselor right away said i know what your husband's doing like he could tell and he said, tell him, I want, to, I want him to come in. And so I told him he, he wanted to see him and he said no. And eventually he said, yes, he would go. But he knew at that point that he was caught. Like, I think he just knew. And, and that, that's when he confessed everything to me. But, you know, you can't make them admit it either. I, you, you can set boundaries. You can set, you know, I would encourage marriage counseling with somebody who knows what they're talking about, like an ASAT um, or a CSAT. Those are people that specialize in this um, because sometimes it can be made worse if you go to somebody who does not specialize in this. But again, that list of resources will have all of that information on it. Okay. And so someone else has sent me another question. Do you still have time, Amy? Are you good? Or? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. another question that's come up is, um, do you have a Catholic counselor? Is that something that a non-Christian Catholic counselor would be able to help a couple with? I find that so many people say that uh, pornography is actually healthy and normal. And right. uh, yeah, right. so what are your thoughts on that? So I said on that resource list, you're gonna see things that are AASAT is one version of somebody who's who specializes in sexual addiction or csat is a, is the same thing they specialize in sexual addiction too it's just a different kind of way that they do it and that's who you're going to want to see um my counselor was the pastoral associate at a catholic church so yes he was catholic um he did not have this specialized but he saw so many people with it that he knew um what it was and how to kind of deal with it um i highly highly recommend finding someone that specializes in this because we did go to counseling several times for years before this and nobody picked up on it even though i kind of would bring up things and, and thankfully pick up on it and say it's normal but i have heard that happen to some people so you definitely don't want it even if you do online counseling or whatever just somebody that specializes and yeah, Carol put in there what yeah, it all stands for. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, so defensiveness and blaming you suggests that he is not committed to his own recovery. It's what he has to do to maintain his denial and protect himself from feeling shame. This is called gaslighting. Um, a certified sex addiction therapist is really what is needed. Um, so I'm not familiar with, uh, 
like what's available. And like I know some of you here are from the Archdiocese of Toronto, and I have no idea what's available in Toronto, but um, check that list out. Um, I know that someone in the questions also asked uh, that where did I order those masses from? Um, I wish I knew the link off the top of my head, but in Niagara Falls, there is a monastery of uh, St. Therese's Carmelite nuns, and it's there that, uh, I don't know how to look up. <laughs> I don't know how to Google. I, <laughs> I don't know how to Google while I'm on the webinar and post uh, yeah. it. I, I'm kind of limited. Um, but the Carmelite sisters in Niagara Falls uh, order masses. I've ordered, you know, like sometimes as a thank you, I have sent uh, masses. You can get masses, just like one or two masses. You can get the lifetime masses. Um, there's an, someone also mentions here that there's Catholic therapists, uh, can uh, catholictherapists.com. There's uh, yeah, Carmel Niagara. There you go. Someone uh, posted that. Um, so that's where, you know, like when my kids went to a very secular university, that was the first thing I did was uh, ordered masses because I thought I'm not even going to try to take on what they're being taught in university. Like it's mm -hmm. like there's a tsunami of lies, right? And I find that as a mother, like it, sometimes you find that everything you say, you get opposition because, you know, Starbucks didn't say it. So therefore it doesn't mean right. anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not on Instagram. So I find that, you know, what's been very effective for me is just, I can't tell you how many hundreds of masses I've ordered for just dozens of people and, and order also masses if you have a, a mother who has passed away or a father who has passed away, many Catholics do not know that souls who have passed away have the power to help us. And so if you pray, I, I, I used to do it daily, but if you pray the rosary and offer one decade for, let's say, my mom who has passed away, and I say, mom, you got to look out for those grandkids of yours, right? Number two, you know, my godfather who has passed away, I pray to the repose of his soul. Praying for the souls in purgatory is a huge, huge powerhouse. So I beg you each to uh, look up, you know, praying for souls in purgatory. That's going to give you power, supernatural power. Um, someone also mentioned, which is true, um, that uh, I believe in the healing of the family tree masses. Um, I've had those said too. <laughs> I don't know if uh, uh, Father Terry McKenna in Toronto actually hosts Healing the Family Tree. Um, I have a number of fantastic books on healing of the family tree. Um, you know, and so when I went to Poland, I asked relatives, are there any hidden sins that I don't know about? <laughs> you know, we want to cleanse, um, you know, all those bloodlines. Um, and, you know, we want to take advantage of all the spiritual resources available to us as Catholics. Holy water, praying for souls in purgatory, 
sacrament of reconciliation. Um, anyway, any closing thoughts? I'm going I'm ranting on too long. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't think I reshared the resources. Somebody messaged me or put in the Q and A or something that they didn't see them, so I shared them again. Um, but they're on your website, right? Yes. Yeah. If you the go resources. To okay. Yeah, momsgroup.com. Uh, on the go to the blog. There's 62 resources for uh, uh, pornography and sex addiction. Anyway, okay. Um, okay. if any of you here have any last questions, please ask them now. Um, I think we've answered all of the questions. How did this impact your family and children? Of course, it must have caused you know a tremendous amount of pain and confusion. But to I guess, you know, not to share it if it's not necessary, right? You know, like I think you mentioned that you... Yeah, I mean, it just depends. Just pray about it. You know, this is what worked for us. It, I, I was also finishing my bachelor's degree at the time that I found this out and my son was getting married. So, you know, it was just a lot happening in my life. And, and when I look back now, I'm like, ah, how did I do that? But of course, God, my daughter... Um, my oldest daughter will say, you know, God won't bring you to it if he can't get you through it. And, and he did. And, you know, he continues to do that. But so you were for us, it's made our family stronger. So you, you got you were getting your university degree, your son was getting married. You had how many children at the time? I had 11. And then I got pregnant with our 12. And they were the closest they were only 13 months apart. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy year, but oh my gosh, I, I'm you gonna uh, I'm gonna ask all of you to uh, to pray a rosary for uh, Amy. <laughs> I think her courage, you know, her her courage is remarkable. So anyway, I'd like to uh, close the meeting. It's three fifteen now. Um, thank you to each and every one of you for uh, joining us today. I know it's a, a difficult. Uh, topic, but we, we've been receiving a lot of emails, and I'm sorry I haven't been able to respond to every single email. Um, our ministry just took this direction that I, I wasn't expecting, and so uh, I'm sorry if I haven't gotten back to you, but please keep on sending the emails uh, with your ideas and with your thoughts. And please mark your calendars for September the 12th. Uh, we are having a, a webinar similar to this. And Cardinal Collins, our Archbishop, who is a Cardinal, will be speaking to all of us as leaders, right? So if you're in any leadership position, how do you lead during a pandemic? And then uh, Dr. Lombardi, which is a theologian, Josie Lombardi, many of you know her and love her. She's going to be giving a talk on virtual, um, uh, not virtual, virtuous leadership. And uh, I'm going to be giving a short reflection on turning to our uh, Blessed Mother as we lead. And that's on September the 12th. Um, it's it's free for those of you that are leaders for stay-at-home moms. It's you know ten dollars. It's very very reasonable. So I would ask you to look on Eventbrite um, again if you're in any leadership position at all. Uh, it's it's absolutely free. 
And what is the time for that leadership webinar? It is from nine in the morning till um, noon. We've also invited, and I'm just waiting to hear from her today actually, um, so please pray she says yes. We've also invited Mother Agnes from Sisters of Life uh, to join us, but I don't know whether she's able to join us. So anyway, um, thank you to each of you for um, joining us today. Thank you, Amy, for your courage, your openness, your inspiration, and your fortitude. And I promise you today, I'm going to pray a rosary specifically for you in, uh, in oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, I know I already asked you if any, any last thoughts before I turn off to shut off. Thanks for bringing this to light because not very many people, when I was talking to my son about this, I've spoken at our parish once and, you know, I've written a lot about this, but a lot of people shy away from this. So thank you for not only doing it once, but doing it twice. <laughs> well, you know, part of the reason we have the mother's ministry and like the annual conference is that being a Catholic woman is really a remarkable experience. So, you know, whether you've given birth to a stillborn, whether you've had a miscarriage, whether you're going through menopause, whether you're just discovering your feminine genius or discovering, you know, your husband's crazy habits, it's a unique experience being a Catholic woman. And we can't kind of pretend that we're men, you know, like, right, right, right. We, we experience things so deeply and um, just also pray for all of you. Uh, someone is saying that they're writing a manual on this topic for your archdiocese. So Diana, I want a copy of that manual when you're done, because then <laughs> I share it with everyone. Um, yeah. So if you're writing a manual, please um, share it with me so then I can share it with our archdiocese. That would be fantastic. Um, so I don't know if any of you remember Carol Burnett. Uh, I'm, I'm really old, older than most of you probably, but uh, she used to always sing. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So goodbye everybody. Um, please never give up. No, you're not alone. Please pray a rosary for Amy today in Thanksgiving for her courage. And in her, you know, she, she came up with that 62 resources for us for free all, all for free so let's at least we could do is pray for her um so let's um pray. i'm committing to praying a rosary for amy today and uh, please know that you're not alone and please mark september the 12th on your calendars and again a big warm thank you amy and uh i'll talk to y'all later okay all right thank you okay bye, bye everyone bye bye